Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. We will cover the uncomfortable facts about the Paul Pelosi attack on this program, and you will know the truth. Elon Musk dissolves the Twitter censorship board and freezes staff ability to destroy your account. God bless Elon Musk. And Rich Barris joins the show to talk about real, accurate polling. My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. What is the purpose of what we do here every single morning? Why are we here? Why are you watching? Why are thousands of you watching right now? The purpose of this show is to deliver to you the narratives that the regime will not. There are narratives out there and questions out there, facts out there, uncontested, that they do not want you to know about specific events. For instance, Antifa is real and they tried to kill Donald Trump. They said so on camera. They burned down buildings at the White House, assaulted police officers and Secret Service agents, and they attempted to kill the president of the United States inside of the original insurrection. Those buildings are still burnt down to a char. You can see them. They're like monuments standing right now on the White House ground. Travel to Washington, D.C., and you'll be able to see the memorial to the real leftist insurrection. Nick Sandman is not a vile 16-year-old racist. Nick Sandman was an innocent kid. Donald Trump did not collude with Russia to win the 2016 election. Jesse Smollett was not attacked during a polar vortex holding a Subway sandwich in Chicago by a MAGA gang that put a noose around his neck. There was no noose inside of Bubba Wallace's NASCAR garage. And Hunter Biden's laptop is real. These are all things that they do not want you to know. And they work and suffer and labor, sweat, and get calluses on their hands, writing on these keyboards, tweets and narratives to keep the truth from you. But they have broken the trust and the faith of the American people. Nobody believes these garbage frauds any longer. And we declare on this show with a single voice that we will not simply digest your narratives, the convenient ones that you decide to change when it suits your whims any longer. You have broken the backs of the American people. You have trod upon us during COVID, during four straight years of fraudulent hoaxes perpetrated on our president that we rightfully, willfully, and legally elected Donald Trump. We will not believe your broke-ass Narratives intended to control us through mass formation psychosis any longer. You will put up hard evidence for us to see and analyze ourselves, facts that are uncontested, and then we will come to our own rational, common sense conclusions. That's how it operates on this show. That is why we do this show every single morning. We, before we get into this, we want to state something. Violence is evil and it is wrong. Steve Scalise was nearly shot dead on a baseball field. Steve Scalise is a good man. We've interviewed him. We've read his book. He was nearly murdered by a radical leftist lunatic, Bernie Sanders supporter and volunteer, whose Facebook page was filled with Rachel Maddow commentary. Not a single person asked for Rachel Maddow to tone it down. In fact, our linguine-spined Republican leadership stood and did nothing in the wake of that attack. That should have been a moment to really pause, record scratch, and rewind the tape as to why these kind of attacks are happening. This, of course, uh, seemingly the worst attack on Congress uh, in American history, certainly in modern American history, shot a number of members of Congress and did so with pure and total prejudice. These moments, you should sit back and you should ignore parties and ask yourself, why are these things happening? 
And so let's get into exactly why Paul Pelosi was attacked. What were the things that happened and that were necessary for this crazy attack to happen? And the details of which, as we will reveal to you in a federal court filing, the TikTok of the attack become more and more mysterious with the passing days. Also, the regime narrative collapses wholesale. What you will hear on this program is precisely the information that they do not want you to hear, but you are hearing it from us because it is our, our obligation and our duty to tell you the uncontested facts of Paul Pelosi's attack, starting with the fact that Paul Pelosi should have never been attacked. Regardless of political party or who he was married to or where he lived, it doesn't matter if he was living in Kansas and was married to the right wing mayor of Wichita. Doesn't matter. Paul Pelosi should have never been attacked because Paul Pelosi, his attacker, was in this country illegally. He was an illegal, criminal immigrant to this country. He's an alien. He is not an American citizen. This man is here illegally and has overstayed his visa for decades. This man is from Canada. He lived and was born in British Columbia, Vancouver. This man entered America and then he overstayed his visa multiple times. And because of our broken Swiss cheese immigration system, this man and many other criminals, murderers, gangbangers, human traffickers, fentanyl dealers are allowed in this country every single second of every single day to commit crimes. It didn't happen to a powerful person or to someone who was married to the Speaker of the House, but just down the street from where I'm broadcasting right now, a mother and her child were slaughtered by a criminal migrant who was drunk driving, who should have never been here, who was blackout drunk, slammed into them, and there you go. A child's life, gone, blink of an eye. This story is repeated time and time and time again in every community. You live inside of a community that has had illegal criminal migrants in it who have committed crimes and atrocities and they should have never been here. We must start this show by stating unequivocally that it is the criminal, broken migrant system of this nation that allows for crimes like this. Full stop. David DePap should have never been in this country if we had a functional immigration system that was funded and that was operated by people who are not just drug smugglers and human smugglers, modern day slave traders, which is what these people are inside of Biden's DHS, then maybe David DePap would have been assessed as a psychotic villain that he is, a molester, a clearly unwell person, and would have been sent back to Canada, his ass kicked out of this country. Doesn't matter who he was. He overstayed his visa, he broke American law to the letter, and he should have been kicked out. You have to begin with that. David DePap, illegal criminal migrant, here's the news. The man accused of attacking Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband told police that he wanted to hold the speaker hostage and, quote, break her kneecaps. That, according to the court papers that have now come out, 82-year-old Paul Pelosi attacked at their home in San Francisco on Friday while Speaker Pelosi was in Washington. Investigators say 42-year-old David DePape broke into the home and smashed Paul Pelosi in the head with a hammer that he and Mr. Pelosi were struggling over when the police entered. They say Pelosi appeared to be unconscious, and they also found a rope a roll of tape, another hammer, and zip ties. And breaking moments ago, a source with Immigration and Customs Enforcement tells Fox DePape is in the country illegally. He overstayed his visa. He is from Canada. He is now charged with assault and attempted kidnapping. Speaker Pelosi's office says that her husband is expected to make a full recovery. Welcome to the all-important election month of November, ladies and gentlemen. What do people care about 
in this month? Well, polling shows that seven out of 10 Americans think that inflation is the number one issue in America right now, and they are correct. Politicians are always talking about kitchen table issues. Well, what's on your kitchen table? Groceries. How's your grocery bill doing? How about the gas to get those groceries? How's your gas prices where you live? Inflation is rampant and it's insane. It's only caused by one thing, the communists in Washington, D.C. spending too much money. That is why my family hedges against the withering effects of inflation on our savings by investing in gold. We invest in gold with our dear friends at Birch Gold. They have helped us Protect our savings from 40-year high inflation. Text Benny to 989898 for your free info kit on diversifying into gold. Plus, when you do this by the end of the month, by Black Friday, you'll get a free gold bar with each purchase. Man, it's nice to open up my security deposit box and see those gold bars glistening. See something that Joe Biden cannot destroy. Ladies and gentlemen, I went gold and I'll never go back. Go gold today. Invest in something of real value with my friends at Birch Gold. Text Benny to 989898. David DePape, why was he in this country? Well, most likely because of California laws that make California a sanctuary state. This, and we will get there, psychotic, mentally ill, probable child predator was left in this country because of the laws of the state of California, a sanctuary state that has defective laws that do not allow the most dangerous or any criminal migrant to be deported out of their state. They shield these people from the federal agencies whose sole job it is, is to keep dangerous criminals who could attack politicians or 82-year-olds sleeping in their beds. Their jobs are to protect these people or innocent children, like down the street from me. Same story again and again and again and again in this country. Here's a quick update on California sanctuary city laws. Well, there's a, there's a great deal that we don't know clearly. Um, there's a, there's a couple things that, that, uh, in, in reading the affidavit that is, that is very interesting. You know, we're dealing with a suspect who is clearly, uh, uh, you know, a few, a few, a few trees, uh, a few branches, you know, free of a tree. And he's clearly, um, an EDP, an emotionally disturbed person with a, with an extensive history, both a criminal history and a mental history as well. So the, the question that you posed earlier about why is he still in the country when he was, uh, not, when he was, uh, uh, an illegal alien, that's really a valid question. And it shows that the, uh, the, the Newsom, uh, sanctuary, State policy is leading to more and more crimes as just as as this is a, a perfect example. Now, do you want to begin the blame game about this issue? And we are covering this issue because they are going to try and and they already are weaponizing this against Republicans, Fox News hosts against MAGA. They didn't stop for a second to talk about the issues at hand about why David DePape is in this country, about what may have motivated him. They didn't stop for a second to ask questions. The journalists, a.k.a. political operators for the DNC, simply regurgitated like the little birds that are in a nest that get the message vomited into their mouth by the mother bird. And that mother bird is the vertically integrated corporate media that says, here is the narrative and we shall stick to it and we will not ask questions. We refuse to digest your vomit. Instead, we will stick to the facts and we will ask pertinent questions because this is a high octane moment and we need facts and evidence more than ever. That is why we take the time to really go through this criminal complaint. Here is the criminal complaint on your screen. Read it along with us. This is from the federal government against David DePape. This is a TikTok of what actually happened, according to a Mirandized and videotaped confession from DePape. 
This is a also a summary from the New York Post's write-up of said Mirandized confession. DePape 42 told San Francisco cops that he broke into Pelosi's mansion through glass using a hammer. He went upstairs to find Paul Pelosi in a bedroom asleep and demanded that he wake up. This is really weird. DePape wanted to wake Pelosi up so that DePape could take a nap. We kid you not. Read it. It's in black and white. DePape stated that he wanted to tie Pelosi up so DePape could go to sleep because he was tired having to carry his backpack to Pelosi's residence. This is a direct quote, Mirandized and on videotape. The psycho then recounted taking out twist ties from his pocket so that he could restrain Pelosi, but he never did. What the hell? So he went in, broke into the Pelosi house to take a nap. In part, Paul Pelosi then was uh, able to freely move about the house, went to the bathroom, and used his phone. Here's what it sounded like, according to the 911 dispatch. Northern four car, eight priority 910, 2640 Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. Hey, 14 hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. Is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. At this point, Pelosi moved to another part of the house. DePape stopped him. Again, Paul Pelosi called and said that that this man was a friend. We're still waiting on uh, what that means, but this is just a 911 call. DePape remembered thinking that there was no way that the police were going to forget about that phone call because DePape literally listened to Paul Pelosi call 911. Again, this is inside of the charging document. Read it yourself. We did every letter. In another head-scratching twist, the alleged attacker later told police that he did not leave after Pelosi called 911. Normally a criminal would say, whoa, the cops are on their way. I should get out of here. Because he felt like the American founding fathers with the British, he was fighting against tyranny without an option of surrender. Again, this man is a person who's had his brain broken and fried like an egg by psychedelics. He heard Paul Pelosi make the 911 call. The 911 operator, we just played you the call, responded, and he didn't leave. He said, I'm just going to stay here like uh, like I'm fighting the British. Okay. So who answered the door? This has been a changing story. Originally, the report said that a third person unidentified answered the door. That was reported through Politico. It was also reported through NBC News. That has been walked back. Now, apparently, it was Paul Pelosi who opened the door while fighting with DePape, which, again, is very head-scratching. Here's how... The Mirandized charging document reads, DePape and Pelosi had gone downstairs at the time. The police arrived and knocked on the door. The 82-year-old rushed to open it. Pelosi grabbed onto, I'm reading you directly from the federal document. Pelosi grabbed onto DePape's hammer, which was in DePape's hand. At that point during the interview, DePape repeated that he did not plan to surrender and that he would go through Pelosi. And then he hit Pelosi with a hammer. The cops witnessed all of this. What's going on here? Why didn't the cops stop it? I'm I'm just confused. So Pelosi answered the door, according to this. The cops were standing there watching him struggle with a man with a hammer. Save the guy. Help the guy. Clearly, the guys are fighting over a hammer. Stop it. Stop, go, constrain them both. Which is what you would probably do. I used to live in a very unsafe neighborhood of Washington, D.C. Saw the cops break up many fights. That's what they would do. What's going on here? Pelosi and DePape were both holding the hammer with one hand and DePape, I'm reading it to you directly from the document, had another holding onto Pelosi's forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. According to the federal charging document, the officers asked them what was going on. DePape responded that everything was good. Officers then asked Pelosi and DePape to drop the hammer. DePape pulled the hammer from Pelosi's hand and swung it. What we want here now To clarify this is the body camera footage. This is why body cameras exist in order to tamp down on whatever confusing 
details of a crime may have happened. If an NFL player does some horrible thing in an elevator, man, we see that footage like within a 30 second window. We're very proud of our growing company here at The Benny Show. We're very proud of our growing audience. And for that, we have you to thank the listener. But we wouldn't be able to do this show without the technology that backs the show up. And the most important piece of technology is our cell phones. It keeps a news show like ours up and online. It keeps our team of 15 people connected in and out during this crazy news era and certainly during our live broadcast. And so that is why we trust... Pure Talk to keep us connected and to keep us in the black as a company because Pure Talk allows us to run a smooth operation, a connected operation, and a quick operation at The Benny Show. There's literally no reason to pay for AT&T or T-Mobile or Verizon. 80 bucks a month? Switch to Pure Talk for half the price. Blazing fast data at 30 bucks a month. We use it at The Benny Show and you should too. Pure Talk wants to keep the customer happy and Pure Talk loves America. It's a company that's founded by a U.S. veteran and they create jobs here in America. It's a company that supports me and my values. I invite you to switch to Pure Talk just like our company did. It'll take you as little as 10 minutes. Show corporate America that you're done funding leftist policies. Go to puretalk.com and enter the promo code Benny to save 50% off your first month. Again, puretalk.com, promo code code Benny to make the switch to Pure Talk. Let's see this monster. Show us the body camera footage. Tucker Carlson asking the same question. But you can't blame, and this is the point, you can't blame people watching all of this at home for thinking that maybe there's something weird going on here. Parts of the official account don't seem to make any sense. So the solution, obviously, is to release the police body cam footage from last Friday. That's often done immediately in cases like this, cases that attract heavy public scrutiny. Transparency restores the public's faith in the system. It is the only thing that does. In fact, that's the whole point of body cams, to reassure people that they can really know what happened. Transparency is the antidote to, quote, misinformation. On the other hand, if you want people to fall headfirst into crazed conspiracy theories, then you would keep lying and hiding things. And yet, for some reason, the San Francisco Police Department is refusing to release Friday's body cam video. We learned that today when we filed a records request. No chance, they said. So until we see that tape, there is a lot that we cannot know. This is why body camera, body cameras exist on cops. This is the purpose. For moments like this, in order to give us all of the evidence and to allow people to come to their conclusions, to allow light to be light, dark to be dark, right to be right, wrong to be wrong. Transparency is what common sense people call for in times like this, especially when there's a midterm election a few days away, when there's a high stakes and political environment, transparency. The honest operators of which our show is one will say, give us the evidence. Release the footage. Let us see it. And then let's move on. All of us agreeing with the narrative, the TikTok, the timeline. Let's go. Tucker Carlson saying that his show asked for the footage. They submitted a FOIA request. Jesse Waters' show on Fox News is actually the reason why we have Paul Pelosi's mugshot from a drunk driving incident that happened in the summer. And also the body camera footage of Paul Pelosi. The reason we have that evidence and that material is because of FOIA requests and because of dogged news outlets, Jesse Waters shows specifically demanding evidence, access, color video. It's, an, it's amazing. Uh, you know, a photo is worth a thousand words, they say. So what is a video worth? A video is simply millions of photos lined up on top of each other. That's it. That's what a video is. It's how you make an animated feature. You paint each slide. Millions of photos lined up on top. So what's a video worth? Photos worth a thousand words, so a video's worth infinite. Release the tapes. Media Matters wrote this up yesterday, that I was demanding that you release the tapes. Yes! Any journalist would say, give us the evidence. Let the people see. Allow for every bad idea or bad operator to be shut down with hard evidence. 
This is what common sense truth finders request. And inside of a broken environment where you are spun and sold just in the last few years, just in the last few months, you have been sold so many lies. Transparency breaks those lies in half and simply allows the truth to stand. Why were people not doing anything? One witness, apparently a security guard, watched DePape with a black backpack on, wearing black, break into the Pelosi household. Why did he do anything? What is wrong with these people in San Francisco? This according to the Mirandized document. Now, DePape is being called a right-wing QAnon um, yeah, blogger. Tucker Carlson's uh, team did research on that claim, and here's what they found. According to some reports, the homeless, mentally ill, drug-addicted, illegal alien David DePappy somehow maintained websites with right-wing content on them. One of these sites was apparently called FriendlyFriends.com. And the strange thing about that website is that the web address for it was registered back in September, but there's content on the site that is backdated to August. And Internet archiving services didn't register any content from that blog, apparently David DePappy's blog, until October 28th. That was the day of DePappy's attack on Paul Pelosi. On October 28th, FriendlyFriends.com suddenly included a bunch of incoherent posts about UFOs and Peter Navarro. We're not making that up. Those are the facts. What do they mean? Well, it's a right-wing conspiracy, obviously. Better indict Marjorie Taylor Greene for the crime. Strange. All of it's very strange. What's more important about this is that it has been immediately and instantly politically weaponized to cast the right as violent extremists. Well, why don't we go to the source? Meaning, why don't we go to David DePape's neighborhood? Talk to the people he lived with. Talk to the people that were close to him. That is how you get to paint the picture of somebody who is currently incarcerated without bail. Even though San Francisco is run by a George Soros DA who's in favor of cashless bail. And again, we're not arguing that this guy should be out on bail. All criminal monsters should be not given the opportunity to have bail. But here we are. Lee Zeldin was in New York. He was nearly stabbed on stage. A man pulled out a knife on Lee Zeldin, who's currently leading the governor's race in New York, tried to stab him, and that guy got out the same day. A broken system. Michael Schellenberger is a former politician. He is a Californian, and he wrote the definitive blog post on who David DePape was. Let's just read the top line here. This is really important because Schellenberger went to Berkeley and spoke with his neighbors. Do you want to see who this guy is? Here we go. Leading politicians yesterday blamed the political right for the brutal attack on the House of Nancy Pelosi. This is despicable, said President Biden, blah, 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 blah. California politician leaders agreed. Heinous act is yet another example of the dangerous consequence of divisive hateful rhetoric. Journalists in mass agreed with the assessment. Uh, DePape appears to, appears to have made racist and rambling posts online. But DePape's politics have little rhyme or reason. In the past year, DePape shared a post about Stephen Colbert's 2016 roast of George W. Bush at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. He linked videos to Disney films and once claimed to be uh, once claimed Jesus is the Antichrist, not exactly a litany of right-wing tropes. As I discovered yesterday, DePape lived in a notorious local nudist neighborhood in Berkeley, complete with Black Lives Matter sign on the window and an LGBTQ rainbow flag emblazoned with marijuana symbols hanging from a tree. A closer look reveals the characteristics of a homeless encampment or what Europeans would call an open drug scene. In the driveway, there's a broken-down camper van on the street, a yellow school bus on which the neighbor said DePape occasionally stayed in. Both are filled with garbage, typical of such structures in the homeless encampments. People come to and fro from the house in vehicles in order to use potent psychedelic drugs. Neighbors described DePape as a homeless addict with politics that were up until recently left wing. Moving on, his fellow live-in lover, girlfriend, who he never married, said that DePape was abusive to the children that they were raising together, that he was himself a monster and that he was a left-wing progressive. This woman is incarcerated herself based on crimes that she committed. We do not know exactly what those are. So here we are, ladies and gentlemen. 
the facts laid bare. Tucker Carlson asked a real question yesterday, which is, why don't we know any of these facts? And why the rush to blame the right for the activities of a deeply troubled, neurotic, drug-addled, homeless, illegal immigrant, leftist freak? Why? Here's what Tucker has to say. So keep in mind, as you shake your head in bewilderment at all of this, that the midterm elections are next Tuesday and Democrats are in trouble and they believe the attack on Paul Pelosi might help them. As Margaret Brennan explained over on CBS, because a mentally ill illegal alien attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband it is now immoral to criticize the leader of Democrats a week before an election. Savor this. Republican candidates have spent more than 116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues, why don't you make it about the issue? We are eight days result. out. Don't you think this needs to change? Why not Again. pull some of these why out? Why don't you make it about the issues? Said the lady who spent four years screaming about Donald Trump, the man. It's hilarious and brazen and shameless. And the second the midterms are over, they'll stop. But the point is, as always, all the journalists, journalists got the same memo and they're all running with the same memo. Of course, using exactly the same words. Ashley Parker at The Washington Post wrote this, quote, in 2022, the GOP spent $40 million vilifying Pelosi and ads. And on Friday, her husband was attacked by a hammer. Do you see the direct correlation? If you criticize Nancy Pelosi, obviously you're endangering her family. I remember when a friend of the show and a friend of mine, somebody that I actually care about, his name is Donald Trump Jr., when somebody mailed, a leftist mailed packages of white powder to his home, where his children were, where his current wife was, where, uh, correction, where his wife at the time was, and she opened up those packages and white powder flew out in their home. And never once did you hear a call to tone down the rhetoric from the left. Ladies and gentlemen, you live inside of a broken system. People who lie to you, who will not acknowledge what their side fascistically is doing and their pursuit, their bloodthirsty pursuit of political vengeance at all costs. One of the victims of the modern day left's vile and bile is Rand Paul, who's been attacked multiple times this year physically had his bones broken by leftists this year. Rand Paul himself attacked with a hammer in his house by a belligerent leftist lunatic. Rand Paul had this to say about political violence. We thought it was very important the way he said this. Listen. When I was assaulted, I was struck once in the back. I didn't hear my assailant coming because I had noise cancellation earphones on. I was struck once in the back so hard that I had six ribs broken, including three of them that were completely separated. My lung was damaged. I coughed up blood for over a year. My lungs filled up with fluid. I about died from an infection, had part of my lung removed, and then Nancy Pelosi's daughter felt free to go ahead and tweet that... Uh, you know, my neighbor should come back and do it again, that my neighbor was right. My current political opponent tweets out and has an ad that he created mocking my attack. One of his campaign workers said that the attacker, who uh, the assailant who struck me in the back is her personal hero. Another one of my, camp my opponent's uh, campaign uh, leaders actually put my address up and then puts pictures of me injured. And the implication is, I guess, this is where he is if you want to finish the job. And so, no, the left doesn't really care. They make everything political. But I will tell you sincerely, I do want Paul Pelosi to make a speedy recovery. And I know what it's like to go through the pain. And I know he's in pain today. And I think we should see him as a human being, not as just sort of this, you know, we dehumanize everybody in politics. It's like people don't care. They think you don't feel pain. Well, I certainly did and certainly still do. And I think we should have some compassion for Paul Pelosi and not make everything about politics. God bless Rand Paul. As we have stated on this show so many times, 
And we have been attacked, not physically injured. We had just on my alma mater at the University of Iowa, some lunatic went and kicked over the projector that I was using to give my little meme speech. The meme speech was so offensive that it elicited a violent uh, attack. Thankfully, no one was hurt. I guess the guy got to, the guy went to jail and the guy got to wake up in the morning and scroll through Twitter and see millions of memes of him kicking the projector with his little broken bird legs. But nonetheless, this is a man who has been attacked and beaten within an inch of his life. He didn't even mention the fact that Antifa and BLM surrounded him outside of the White House, causing cops to have to essentially escort him out of the streets because it was unsafe for Rand Paul and his wife, Kelly Paul, to walk down the street. This is our official and forever stance on this show. We wish Paul Pelosi Godspeed in his recovery. We don't want anything bad to happen to anyone. We don't care if you are a hardened Marxist or if you are MAGA up living in a mountain without electricity with a Nokia flip phone. No running water. We don't care. You're our people. You're Americans. You're our people. We love America. We love this country. We want nothing bad to come. No harm to ever befall people in this country. We only ever want peace, happiness, harmony, and a, pro- a, a, a prosperous, joyous life for you living in America. All of you. That is why on this show, we thought it was important to document why the hell this man was in America. He should not be. He's a criminal, illegal migrant. Document the homelessness problem and the drug problem that is a scourge on our streets in every major city. You cannot go through any major city in America without seeing the crippling results of homelessness, vagrancy, brokenness danger on every street corner. You cannot go to any city in America without seeing the horrors that illegal criminal immigration brings. And yes, extremist political rhetoric must be discussed. But the extent to which that side that must take the discussing is willing to accept the fact that they defunded the police, that they openly ignored the protests that ripped through this nation for two years, killing, murdering, and marauding at will, and that they are the ones who have plunged the inner cities of this country into chaos's hellscapes of death and destruction, we will get nowhere. We'll get nowhere until one party, and specifically the media, begins to ask the question, which is why is Senk from the Young Turks voting for a Republican for the mayor of Los Angeles? Why is the communist guy on the Young Turks deciding that LA has become such a broken city that he's going to switch party? This guy, the Marxist, is saying he's going to vote for a Republican. Rick Caruso's his name. It's gone too far. And so, yes, the reason we cover these stories and give you the facts, the cold, hard facts reading to you from the charging documents from the feds today is because we do not want this to ever happen to Paul Pelosi or Paul Ryan or Paul Anka, any of these people, any American, you should live in safety and security at the very least life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and Republicans in the midterms, should be not running away from this, should be running head on and saying criminal illegal immigration mixed with homelessness, vagrancy, and criminal vagrancy inside of our cities and homelessness, crippling depression. These are the recipes for more hell inside of this nation. And we want to protect Americans. That's what you should say. That's what people should discuss. Will Republicans win in 2022 with that message? Can Republicans bring an alternative message to Americans for an alternative vision for this nation where these kind of horrific attacks do not happen?
And again, we wish Paul Pelosi a speedy recovery and Godspeed. It shouldn't happen to anyone. Well, to answer that question, our favorite pollster in America joins the program right now, Rich Barris. Rich, hey, man, appreciate you being on the program. Uh, we just did 30 minutes breaking down every single piece of evidence uh, that uh, that is readily available and uncontested about the Paul Pelosi attack. Um, we believe uh, that there are some major dynamic shifts going on right now across the country, uh, starting with something wild out of Arizona, the libertarian candidate dropping out and endorsing Blake Masters which I think is going to change the dynamics, but we're not professional pollsters, nor do we get it right every time like you do, Rich. (laughs) Talk us through the national landscape. uh, What is happening out there? Hey, Benny, thanks for having me back as always, brother. It's good to be here. Uh, Yeah, that we heard this last night in Arizona and we're polling Arizona right now. So, you know, I hear this news. I look at the numbers, uh, the vote in Arizona, as far as early votes are almost about to be wrapped up. Right. So I'm looking at Mark Victor's uh, support and the the couple of percentage points that he gets, uh, which is could change. The race. It, it, I mean, it really could. The the margin for error is that tight. So if he drops out, they really do. He gets a lion's share. Blake Masters gets a lion's share of that vote. It's still vote that's on the table. These aren't people who have cast their ballots already. So then immediately the first thing I did was look at vote preference versus actual vote intention. Are you going to vote by, uh, by mail? Are you going to drop it off on election day? Are you going to go on election day and cast a ballot in person? All of his support was out in the open still. So it, it, it's potential is big. This is a big deal. Yeah. Well, Arizona seems to be running away from Democrats right now. Carrie Lake, every single poll continues to show massive strength there. What is, yeah. what is your prediction in Arizona? You, you have uh, obviously a major, it, Barack Obama's going to Arizona, right? Am I wrong? Yeah. Barack, like, yeah. How, and- de- how, how terrified are they right now? And, and it's amazing because he never really was that popular in Arizona. So I understand they feel that the state is leaning more Democrat over over time. So maybe he'd be a good person to put there. But I'll tell you what, Benny, uh, there was a poll that came out this morning because it, I'm going to connect this to the 300 people we spoke with uh, by phone in Arizona yesterday. There was a poll that just came out this morning. Uh, this poll was it's the NBC. It was Democrat plus three on the generic ballot uh, in their their previous poll. Now it's Republican plus two, which is a modest lead. But I got to tell you, it, it's it won't be a modest lead. It's a 20 point swing among uh, suburban women in our generic ballot that we just released. It was Republican plus five. What we found was a huge swing to Republicans among independents, even educated independents. Uh, and of course, of women. So I'm looking at these numbers in the Senate state and the states where there are Senate races because the national numbers typically lead the, the battleground states. It's like a leading indicator. And I think maybe last night we started to see, you know, the full force of what that means. You know, the 300 people we spoke with uh, yesterday, Kerry Lake, look, folks, when the Republican is ahead in the raw, meaning I haven't waited it yet. I haven't I haven't waited for region to try to iron out how educated people. Thank you. By the way, thank you, Nate Cohen, for confirming what we have been saying forever. As you use my argument is in preparation to cover your butt for missing the election again. That's what he's doing. Look at his tweet. No, you know, uh, I got to give a warning with these polls. Uh, Democrats, uh, white Democrats were so much more likely to talk to us, especially educated ones. Yeah, no Sherlock. Okay, we've been saying this for years, and that's why you have to constantly oversample and then wait for that, you know. Uh, And if you you, if you don't get a large enough sampler, you don't speak to enough people in these different subgroups that they're representative. When you go to wait, you're just increasing your sampling error. Basically, if you're making a less educated guess, people should think about it like that. When you're waiting and you haven't really spoken with enough people out of these different groups, you're you're guessing. That's what's happening. You're you're asking math to try to fill in the blanks for you. That's what they're doing. And now uh, I got to tell you, Kerry Lake is uh, doing so much better with these independent voters. And Blake Masters is now it used to be a five point gap between her and Kerry Lake, that gap just keeps shrinking. And I bet it's going to shrink more with Mark Victor out of the race. These people are breaking hard and heavy at the end, Benny. 
They are. You've been talking about suppression polls on this program for a while, and I think it's something very important to talk about is the brokenness of the polling yes. system. You promoted this tweet from Tom Bevan, and I think that Real Clear Politics is doing an amazing job by weighting uh, the accuracy of the polls. But maybe we can toss yes. that tweet back up on the screen here concerning how unpopular Joe Biden is in all these places, yet still you have the Senate candidates running ahead with <laughs> 20, 20 points of Joe Biden? How is this possible? And it's not typically. That's the truth. In uh, most midterm elections, what winds up happening is that congressional candidates at the Senate level in battleground states and definitely uh, for Congress, they tend to run right around. I mean, not on the money, but right around where Biden's approval rating is or the president in general. And I would have people know that it's not just that these polls have overstated Democratic support during times when there's a Democratic president. It's even worse. It's even more pronounced. So over the course of a couple of decades, I've shown this graphic to my people before showing them how the uh, generic ballot is understated Republican support. It's on average about you know five and a half points. But during times of a Democratic president, it's actually over eight. Eight, Benny. That's not an easy to explain miss. And when you have what is what is happening with us, and especially in the live caller, you know, so if if you are you and you are or a working class guy who's just a steel worker outside of Pittsburgh, for instance, he gets a call and the guy says, hey, I'm a so and so agent name and I'm calling on behalf of Siena College, uh, you know, who's doing a poll for The New York Times. Yeah, goodbye. Right. But if you're somebody in Montgomery County, you're an educated white Democrat, you just can't wait to spill your guts about how you feel about Donald Trump and threats to democracy. I got the recordings, Benny. You'd laugh. You would be hysterically laughing if I didn't you know, want to abuse the, the voter. We used to transcribe some of this stuff and 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 release quotes from people that we interviewed. I mean, this it, it, these people think it's their personal time to ramble on about the, how brilliant they are and their views and why they're going to vote for a Democrat. Uh, but the Republican electorate is not like that, and they're very difficult to reach. So Pennsylvania could have upwards of 25 percent, 30 percent of people who don't you know, have a high school degree or less in the electorate. And yet when you poll them, uh, they're, uh, of the raw data, they may be or 12, 15 percent. So you have to keep polling to reach them. Those guys don't know how to reach them. You know, the Nate Cohens of the world. And he has the audacity to come out and, you know, the the cheat polls, he calls uh, Rasmussen. I imagine he was referring to us. You know, well, so what are they admitting there, Benny? They pay more to get crap. Is that something he's proud of? <laughs> they pay. They charge more money for a, a, a lesser quality substandard product. You want to tout that on Twitter? Really? Rich is Can't talking about one. One of the most inaccurate pollsters in the country, probably one of the most high paid pollsters in the country to do the worst job. Uh, And he's from the state of New York. And I wonder what he would think about this poll from this morning showing Zeldin up from Trafalgar. Check this out. I was uh, this has floored me this morning. Certainly the most shocking polling result. Uh, Is this for real? You know, Benny, I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of different uh, numbers from New York, from all sides of the aisle, from left wing pollsters, uh, from Trafalgar. The, he did this independently. I have no doubt that they would uh, you know, be rolling their eyes when they see this poll. But they did that in New Jersey. And I'm telling you, I've seen these numbers and Zeldin is winning independence by such a large margin that this is possible. Wow. He is pulling away some Democrats, but wow. that's not only what's happening here. Look at turnout, the early in-person vote in Staten Island and in Long Island versus the early in-person vote in Queens. It's the primary kind of suggested this would happen. Republican turnout was extremely high in the primary, but for Hochul and the Democrats, it was not. Only where they had a special election because they wanted to defeat Molinaro in New York 19. But in the rest of the state for other contests, it was abysmal, abysmal. So, you know, it's real. It's real. It's going to be closer than than any New York governor race should be. Let's be real. And I mean, by the way, he he pegged this in New Jersey and nobody believed him. It's worth pointing that out. Trafalgar, Robert Cahaley at Trafalgar told the country that New Jersey was close. They mocked him for it. They mocked him. Yeah. And then a, a guy that nobody's heard about that spent exactly seven dollars and a subway punch card <laughs> on his race uh, ended up <laughs> ended up, uh, you know, like damn near winning. 
like yeah, within, well, margins, they, they, within margins of error. They unseated uh, Republicans. Un, uh, another yet another candidate who spent like fifty bucks because he was bought his uh, his volunteers Dunkin' Donuts. He unseated the sitting Senate Democratic leader. I mean, this is it, uh, unbelievable. And he spent like fifty dollars. So it goes to show you what can happen, Benny, when there is this visceral anti-incumbent feeling in the electorate and people are very concerned about economics and their pocketbooks inflation and that is what we're seeing so you know this it's starting to remind me a little bit like 2014 because so if you go back and look the polls were horrible and they absolutely overstated democratic support virginia was one of the worst by the way the washington post poll had mark warner up by double digits in their final poll and yet ed gillespie came this close it was within uh, a half a percentage point he almost defeated mark warner and what happened that year is that it it started to build up and there was evidence if you weren't tuning out polls you didn't like there was evidence that uh it was it was going to be a republican you know a, a really heavy break at the end toward all of these republican candidates. Um, but yet the Fox poll still had Democrat plus three on the generic ballot. So did Pew Research. A bunch of them did. Um, the only one who did catch it was that ABC poll. Uh, they were Republican, I believe, plus five or six. And honestly, they have Republican plus six right now. So it's interesting. I see some parallels here. Now, obviously, if you look at RCP, the consensus is this is a Republican lead. And a five point or greater win, Benny, is a wipeout. I mean, it's really looking at the House at this point. It's turning out to be this. This is going to be a bloodbath, it looks like. So I just don't see how that doesn't translate up to the Senate in the world that we live in now. Uh, it's very polarized. Ticket splitting is not it's still not a big thing, even though we had some of it again in 2020. Uh, we had we didn't have any of it during the era of Obama. I just don't see this turning out to be the year that I think some Democrats who are trying to cope at this point are hoping and thinking will be. And privately, you talk to the strategists, and they don't believe any of these overhyped media polls. Uh, one strategist the other day told us that the House is gone, and the, the best case scenario for us is a is a, a split in the Senate. You know, maybe we can fend it off and and have, a, a, you know, a tie, a, end up a tiebreaker the way it is. But it gets more dire every day. A, a strategist in North Carolina from Pitt County, he's well known here. He said, we're done here. We're going to be wiped out. Cherry Beasley's going to get destroyed by Ted Budd. We're going to lose two state Supreme Court seats. And we're going to have super uh, we're going to have super majorities uh, for Republican legislatures. Um, they're they're glooming, you know, but yet the national Democratic surrogates want to. I think it's, it's very clear that there's been this effort to try to put a a bunch of us into this GOP poll narrative that, uh, you know, we're, we're somehow making it look like it's it, there's movement to Republicans that's not there. I, I just can't wait for a week, Benny. I can't wait for a week so we could go back and do this again, because I'm usually a little bit nicer. This year, I am not going to be nice. I'm going to make it my personal <laughs> mission to destroy these people, to destroy the credibility of these people. And thank you, RCP, for the polling accountability project. Yes. It's about time. Yes. We've been cheering that on. Last question, Rich. What's going to be the biggest shock that night? What's going to be the biggest shock on Tuesday night in one week? There are, oh, there are always shocks. I can't, we're trying to prepare people for this. There always are. There's an incumbent that nobody thought was in trouble who gets wiped out out of nowhere. Ask Ed in New Jersey we were just talking about. It happens. Uh, and then there are people that everybody believes will be defeated, but yet they hold on. I think New Hampshire is probably going to be one of those. Uh, if if there is a real stunner, it'll be General Baldak who beats Maggie Hassan uh, because New Hampshire still has been trying to hold on to its uh, Democratic lean at the Senate level. But you have John Sununu there at the top of the ballot, Benny. You have all of the down ballot races breaking Republican. Everybody knows it. Levitt is ahead in her own internal polling. Uh, Pappas it, in, he, last week. They were saying that their internals were tied. So where are they this week, Benny? Right. I just don't see all the voters of New Hampshire saying I'm throwing out an incumbent congressman. I'm reelecting my incumbent Republican governor, uh, but I'm going to vote Democrat for Senate. Yeah, I, I just don't see it. I really don't. But uh, yeah. another one, Washington, it, it will be close, but it'll be closer four days later because of the way the votes are counted. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we will uh, we will see. We very much look forward to watching. Yeah. And honestly, on election night, yours is one of the very few accounts that we have inside of our Twitter column saying must follow. 
So thank you so much, Rich. Where can people find your work? Yep. Peoplespundit.locals.com. And Benny, on election night, we will have live results. All right. We have our own uh, maps and uh, we'll obviously be showing people the public link for that really soon. But peoplespundit.locals.com will do what we always do. Try to do our best to give you guys the right information as accurate and as fast as possible. It's up on screen. Accuracy. That's all that matters in this industry. That's right. Such an industry broken by fakeness and frauds. And all we care about it. We're adults. We can take the hard. We can take the news. We can handle it. Give us the straight dish and let, you know, otherwise hit the bricks. And thank you, Rich, for doing exactly that. Godspeed. All the best, Benny. All the best as always. All right. There's our polling break with Rich Barris. So important to have accuracy, so important to know facts and know evidence and to see for yourself. And then we trust the American people to make the right decision when they see for themselves what is happening in this country. And people will be able to see based on the God King Elon Musk. Removing the limits on Twitter for moderation tools day before the midterm elections. Now staff will not be able to manually change or punish accounts over misleading information. Okay, what? It can't get better, but it does. It continues to get better. Elon Musk, man, breaking the matrix over at the haunted hellscape that was Marxist Twitter. Elon Musk, days before the election, has taken over Twitter and taken over the Twitter board just before the midterms, and now he is going to stop staff's ability to essentially de-boost or ban or punish accounts that tell the truth. God bless Elon Musk, man. Here's the breaking news. All right, the world's richest man has a rich problem on his hands. It could be a Herculean one, $44 billion for Twitter, and not a clear sign what he's going to do to justify the cost or to make it profitable. Folks like Mark Cuban think he can easily do that, but it could take some time. Let's go to Kelly O'Grady. She's been following this every step of the way from, I guess, when Musk first proposed it. Now he's got it. Kelly, what's happening now? Yeah, I know. Going all the way back to April, I feel like I I should like camp outside Twitter headquarters now. But kind of the latest development has been that, you know, he's he's focusing on free speech, but a lot of advertisers are pushing back. Uh, GM actually specifically has said that they're pausing advertising on the platform. I do want to read you a statement because I I, I think it's good context. Uh, They said, you know, we're engaging with Twitter to understand the direction of the platform under their new ownership, as is normal course of business, with a significant change in a media platform. We've temporarily paused our paid advertising. And we're hearing from a number of other advertisers that, you know, if President Trump is let back on this platform, we're not going to continue advertising with uh, Twitter. But a lot of critics are kind of saying, well, you know, that's kind of interesting, right? Because you're you're going all in on TikTok. But of course, they have their own issues with China and with how they use data. So it's kind of an interesting development to hear that from these advertisers now. Here we go, yo. And by the way, it's like, shut up, okay? GM stands for Government Motors. This is clearly just an uh, like an agiprope. Uh, uh, Joe Biden weeping and crying to the uh, company that gets pure slush directly from the taxpayer dole. GM doesn't even exist without taxpayer subsidies. So shut your mouths, ladies and gentlemen. GM doesn't make a good product either. So I, again, just shove it with you. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna pause advertising because we take American taxpayer dollars and we pump it into advertising because we couldn't stand on our own two feet because we've been run by garbage leaders inside of a garbage city of Detroit with garbage unions at our throats for the last couple decades, and we just committed Harry Carey essentially as the American auto industry through unionization and leftist policies. Yeah, okay, I will not weep for General Motors. I will weep with tears. Of joy who's staring at Elon Musk taking away the dashboard capacity of Twitter censors right before the election. God bless Elon Musk. Twitter employees now have seen that their abilities to suspend or remove contents in their little dashboards, their little knobs, right? And they're in Twitter HQ, that has been removed by Elon Musk. The tools have been out since last week. Uh, It is alleged that this restriction has been put in place as Twitter transitions to Musk ownership in a bid to stop changes. Uh, 
five employees that will probably be fired uh, next week or today. So Godspeed, Elon Musk. And later today, we will have a large uh, uh, breaking report on what's happening with this massive DHS bombshell as it pertains to social media. We are working on getting the author of this bombshell from The Intercept, who published yesterday. Uh, And I I guess if we have the article, let's toss it on screen. But we want to talk later today with the actual author from The Intercept about the incredible contents of his report uh, proving that social media companies are essentially creating special backdoors of censorship portals for the federal government to destroy your free speech. Now, why is that a problem? Well, because the federal government's sole job is to protect your First Amendment. They literally swear on a Bible to uphold the Constitution. And so these are people breaking their oaths to you, the American people. It should be an impeachable offense. These people are absolute communist goblins and monsters, and we look forward to covering this later today. Biden hosts Halloween at the White House while bracing for a midterm nightmare. And avoiding campaigning in critical states, Biden hands out candies with butterfly Jill Biden and granddaughter Naomi in the rain. Oh man, what a gloomy, gloomy image from the White House yesterday. First off, there, okay, Who would have thought, how many times did you hear them screaming from the rooftops about the lack of decorum in the White House with Donald Trump and Melania, who, by the way, looked like a freaking supermodel every day she was in the White House. Melania Trump, one of the greatest first ladies in American history. And then here we have Jill Biden, who is essentially Alice Cooper LARPing as first lady wearing upside down butterfly wings. Does her staff not care? Does the intern that staffs Jill Biden just not care anymore? The wings are upside down, lady. We know that in a previous life, you used to put, I mean, this is again, Alice Cooper coming out. Alice Cooper wears lots of eye makeup. Looks like you just did the old Alice Cooper look once more. Back to your roots. No guitar, but that's okay. Here we go. Purple hair. Getting good, baby. Way to go, Jill. Way to go, Alice. You've done a fantastic job there. Maybe you should stop the psychedelic drugs or your intern should stop because they're putting your wings on wrong. Whew, man. And if anyone wanted to fly, fly away, it's the kids while they were meeting Jill and Joe Biden. Joe Biden sniffing kids as you knew he would do on Halloween. The scariest place to be is the White House this Halloween yesterday. Watch. Get the hell away from the kids, Joe! Get your kids away from the White House. I know a person who went to the White House yesterday uh, and let Joe Biden touch his kid. I have yet to, like, muster up uh, the rage in my soul to DM this this person who used to be a friend of mine. I just won't allow it. This is just child abuse. Get your kids away from Joe Biden. Syphilitic, diseased, old, dementia-riddled, dandruffy man sitting there confused, unable to know where the hell he's even going inside of the house that he resides. Jill and Joe Biden confused as hell yesterday at this rainy, droopy, weary, dark, sad, beleaguered, narcissistic White House event where he's sniffing kids and his wife, former, uh, uh, a former heavy metal Alice Cooper, Now turned first lady upside down. Butterfly wings. Can't figure out where the hell they're going. Huh? You had to have Willy Wonka show you where the chocolate factory is there in that clip. You really had no idea that you just walked back in the door that you came from. And then the the, the ominous dinging and the children screaming. It's so perfect. It's the most perfect clip to ever come out of the Biden White House. These creepy freaks, man. Biden was wearing a baseball cap and a, um, you know, like a like a streaker's jacket, apparently outside as he made children cry and scream while yelling, it's Halloween. Okay, cool. 
He was asked how he feels about the midterms, and he said, it's Halloween. That's how I feel about them. Well, why exactly are you sitting at your like old wrinkly depends laden ass at the White House when you should be out campaigning? Oh, yeah, because the only thing scarier than Joe Biden at the White House sniffing kids is Joe Biden on the campaign trail because he is literally the grim reaper to anyone's campaign. Ain't nobody wants to campaign with Joe Biden right now. Okay, John Fetterman campaigned with Joe Biden. And then the next day he went out on the cam. He went on the out on the debate stage and he wasn't able to like read a tele like a teletype, like a speaking spell. Bad influence. Nobody wants to campaign with Joe Biden. What a miserable, miserable man. And by the way, Jill, fire your staffers. They're putting your wings on upside down. Nobody even cares about you anymore. That's our show today. Happy Halloween, I guess, was yesterday. We had a very nice time. My kids ate way too much candy, uh, and we are preparing for a very scary week for Democrats as the midterms approach. We shall be covering everything and giving you the cold, hard facts uh, of the story of what is happening in this country. And the real final conclusion that you must come to is that everything that these progressives and everything that these leftist Marxist goblins touch, it turns to shit and it turns bad. And they have destroyed this nation and it's time for a new crop of leaders. We are very, very excited for some late breaking news that we will tell you this week. We will be traveling the country, giving speeches. We'll be going to a couple of specific states and doing some pretty awesome stuff. And we'll bring you that information very, very soon, as soon as those plans firm up. Ladies and gentlemen, we are excited. We are optimistic. We are ready. We are not scared. We are powerful. And we're powerful because we have our priorities in order. God, family, country. That's what we care about on the show. We're free men and women. We're going to stay that way because we're going to fight, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to win, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to save America. My name is Benny Johnson. And this is Benny Show. Thanks for watching.